So it's August. Had enough for you? <laughs> yeah, right? New month, new theme. A world that works for everyone. Have you heard it before? Oh, good. <laughs> because it happens to be Center for Spiritual Living's global vision. That world that works for everyone is Centers for Spiritual Living's global vision for humanity. And it goes something like this. It goes like, we envision all people, all beings, all life as expressions of God. We see a world in which every person is in alignment with his or her highest spiritual principle, emphasizing unity with God, connection with each other, a world in which individuality and collectively we are called to a higher state of consciousness and action. We envision humanity awakening to its spiritual magnificence. See, that's where we got that line. And discovering the creative power of thought, a world where every person discovers his or her own personal power, ability to create an individual life that works within a world that works for everyone. We envision a world in which we live and grow as one global family <clears throat> that respects and honors the interconnectedness of all life. A world where this kinship with all life prospers and connects through the guidance of spiritual wisdom and experience. We envision a world where personal responsibility joins with social conscience in every area, political, corporate, academic, and social sectors, providing sustainable structures to further the emerging global consciousness. We envision a world where each person has enough food, a home, and a sense of belonging. A world of peace and harmony, enfranchisement and justice. We envision a world where resources are valued, cared for, and grown, and where there is generous and continuous sharing of these resources. We envision a worldwide culture in which forgiveness, whether through errors, injustices, or deaths, is the norm. We envision a world which has renewed its emphasis on beauty, nature, and love through the resurgence of creativity, art, and aesthetics. We envision a world that works for everyone and for all of creation. That is a huge statement. That is the global vision that, that Centers for Spiritual Living Worldwide embrace. It is a poetic statement. It's an affirmation, and it's an intention of what this world can be and should be, right? And we hold that as a possibility, as the truth within us, that it's a world that can be. We know that the truth of this statement, and we know the way to a world that works for everyone is through transforming lives, right? This is what we know, transforming lives through this practical spirituality that we practice. And that's what today's talk is, transforming lives. Now I'm talking about real transformation, <laughs> real transformation, okay? I'm not, I'm not talking like, you know, like one week I'm Mario and then the next week I'm Melania. Not that kind of transformation. <laughs> I'm talking real transformation. Were you here Thursday? Oh my God, who was that person? Anyway, <laughs> didn't we have like the best variety show? Holy moly. Anyway, I'm talking inner transformation from the interior out, from consciousness to manifestation. Ernest Holmes said this, he says, ignorance stays with us till the day of enlightenment, until our vision toward the spirit broadens and casts out the image of a no longer useful littleness. 
what we now experience, we may cease experiencing if we have the will and the imagination to set our vision in the opposite direction and hold it there. The office of the imagination holds the vision. The will holds it in place until the creative genius of the inner life transforms the image of limitation and transmutes it into liberty under law. So that's our work to do. That is the inner work that we're here to do together. It is within us to transform. This is not just a change of clothes or change your hairstyle, change your life, you know. This is, this is the inner change. Oh, we can't just change the outside and say all the pretty words, but still be struggling inside with fear and doubt and false beliefs underneath. It's not going to affect change in our lives. It's not going to change our outer world. Transformation comes from changing our consciousness, right? We know this. Everything changes in consciousness first. It is the first place where change occurs in our world, right? In the, link, in the, the last link of the chain of manifestation it is the physical effect, is the outside. Everything begins in consciousness. And how we do that is by enlarging our personal use of universal mind so that we have a greater vision of what our lives can be. So that inner work is personal work. It needs to be done by us. We have to enlarge our use of universal intelligence, of that one mind, in order to demonstrate that in our lives. And so when we know that and we drop the false and the fear and the doubt, we begin to outpicture that greater experience of life that spirit knows us to be. Spirit knows of our wholeness. We're the ones putting the brakes on it. We're the ones, you know, holding the reins tight on God. We hold our, ourselves back. Spirit knows the wholeness that we are. We need to transform ourselves from the inside out. You know, that, you know how a caterpillar turns into a butterfly? You know that story? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna tell you anyway. <laughs> it digests itself from the inside with enzymes triggered by hormones, okay? It's a whole gooey process inside <laughs> that cocoon. It really is, and you probably don't wanna know all that much about it, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. It involves the hormone ectosone and another one called juvenile hormone and sleeping cells, which are kind of like our equivalent to stem cells, and imaginal discs that begin to use this protein-rich goo, soupy protein that was the caterpillar body that is now just an oozy sort of protein soup. And these imaginal discs then begin to use that protein-rich goo to create Butterfly parts. That's kind of how it happens. Okay, and you thought puberty was tough, right? <laughs> this is like, you know, it, it's gone. The, the, the caterpillar is completely gone. And with that, that gooey, oozy, soupy protein stuff, the caterpillar is built. I mean, the, the butterfly is built. And it's really interesting because when the butterfly comes out, these are two different organisms. I mean, think about it. They are two completely different organisms. 
They have different environments. They eat different foods. There's like, there's, they're not even similar at all on, 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 in any way, right? One crawls on the earth, one flies. One eats leaves, the other one only drinks nectar. You know, I mean, it's just brilliant. It, it's just totally brilliant. And, and that's the way it is with us. When we finally let go of what's holding us back, when we finally let go of the false beliefs and the fears and the personal limitations, everything is different. It's a whole new world. We're the butterflies. You know, that is the way it is with us when we finally, finally, finally drop the fears and the things that are holding us back. We become an entirely new being. We become transformed. That's why it says it in the Bible in Romans, right? Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It doesn't say your body or your hair color <laughs> or your job. It says transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hmm. And Ernest Holmes said it this way. He said, reverse your position in the law. You must reverse your position in the law. You have to actually specialize yourself out of the law, right? That's what he said. We have to ignore the voice of the world that tells us to worry. Tells us to worry. Tells us to be afraid. Be afraid. Be afraid of the other. Be afraid of this. Be afraid of that. Doubt your inner voice. Let us tell you what to think, right? That's what the outer world says. We have to tune all of that out. We have to tune all of that out because our voice is the voice of spirit within us, that still, small voice within us. And that's what Ernest Holmes said. That's what he meant when he said, we must reverse our position in the law. We must ignore human race consciousness because it's going to stream by us forever and always. It streams by us into endless torrents. You hear it all the time. You probably hear it so much you don't even think you're thinking it, right? Endless torrents of lack and limitation and fear and lies that just go by and we latch onto them and we think them and then we speak them without even thinking. Right? We hear it on the TV or on the radio. It's cold and flu season. Oh, I've got to run out and get my NyQuil now, you know? We do it without even thinking. It's not cold and flu season they, just because they say it is. It's human race consciousness flowing by, and we get to hang on to it and pluck it out and say, yeah, it's true for me, I guess. I don't know. I get sick every year. Ugh. Great affirmation, isn't it? No. No, it's not. It's not a great affirmation. We must reverse our position in the law. We have to specialize ourselves out of that. Ernest Holmes said daily, daily, we must consciously reverse our position in the law, knowing that we are no longer subject to human race suggestions of lack, limitation, want, or fear, knowing that spirit is within us and, and, and for us and operating through us, knowing that all good is ours, and specifically declaring the particular good we desire right now is made manifest. It's making a declaration upon the law, specializing ourselves out of the flow of human race consciousness, standing in opposition to the flow of the law, and speaking our word in truth. That's what we're doing. And when we rest in the absolute, we don't fall into the relative of human race thought. That's what he's talking about. We have to keep our mind focused on the absolute and allow the limitations to fall away from us. Does that ensure that nothing bad will ever happen in our lives? No. 
Does it ensure nothing negative will ever, ever happen? No. But we, we get to frame our experiences in truth instead of in that human race consciousness that's flowing around there saying, <laughs> what were you thinking to get that, right? That's, that's also using this particular faith philosophy to beat ourselves up. No, we get to be in the absolute. We get to see from truth regardless of what happens. We get to see from truth in love, in light. And what did we learn? What did we learn from that? How have we changed the way we see things or see other people or see our abilities, right? We get to see the events in our lives with a God's eye view. We get to see the events in our lives the way spirit sees them. And they change us and they alter us, but they alter us for the good all the time. They're a revelation of truth all the time. We use whatever happens to us as a revelation of truth to expand us, to grow us. You know, the, have you ever heard of the story of the refiner? You know, it's like it's an old sort of traditional Christian story, um, urban myth or parable or something. I don't know really exactly what it is, but I know it's based on a passage in the Bible. And the, and the passage is in Malachi where he says, and he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver, and he shall purify the sons of Levi, and it goes on. So, so the story goes, this woman goes to a silversmith and sits with him so he can explain what that process is. And he, and, and he does. He says he holds the silver in the fire, watching it intently, never taking his eyes off of it. Because the minute, in a minute, that precious metal can be destroyed if he's not, if he doesn't have his full attention on it. And then she asks him, well, how do you know when the refining is complete? And he said, oh, the silversmith said, oh, that's easy. When I can see my reflection in the silver, the process is complete. And you know what? Somebody checked, actually, with a silver jewelry maker. His name was Fred Zwig, and he said, I am familiar with the verse from Malachi, and the similarities of actual refining and this chapter and verse from the Bible are really accurate. That's exactly what we do. So, so traditional religions will point to that story and explain as an explanation, basically, why bad things happen to good people. You know, because you're put into this hot heat, you know, in order, to, in order to transform you, in order to burn away what's unnecessary. God's testing us, you know, that crap. So, whatever. Um, what we know is that things do happen to us that are unexpected, and we can grow from those experiences, right, from being put into that, that hot heat. We can grow from those, or we can stay victims. Oh, it's their fault. It's the government's fault. It's my parents' fault. It's my boss's fault. It's my sister's fault. It's my brother's fault. It's, you know, we have all of them, right? When we have refined ourselves, when we have used those hot heat times, right, when we're in it, when we're in the fire, what happens is when we're seeing those events in our lives from the absolute, when we see clearly... The reflection we see in the purified silver is our own reflection. It is our own reflection we're seeing. We have free will. We are free. Or we can stay victims and blame. We're free to blame too, aren't we? There's another part in the Bible, it's in Jeremiah, that says the bellows blow fiercely to burn away the lead with fire. But the refining goes on in vain. The, the wicked are not purged out. 
And I like that phrase, the refining goes on in vain, because we have free will. We have free will. We can stay in the fire. We can just keep our butts in the fire as long as we want and not be transformed and not learn from it. How many times have you done the same thing? How many times have you had the same boss, no matter what job you took, right? It was always the same person. He was always the same person. Until we learned, until we healed whatever that was within us that didn't need that experience anymore. That's growth. That's growth. We are free to refuse that refining process also. We are free to refuse it and stay unrefined and stay in our own story and stay in our, ain't it awful, right? And how they did it to us. We are free to stay there or we can surrender it up. Transforming, refining, if you will, of our life means freeing ourselves from our own thoughts of limitation. That's our dross, you know, that's the junky metal that gets burned off. Our thoughts of limitation, of lack, of false belief, of fear, those lies that we've been fed or that we've believed on our own, that's our dross. And we are free to allow that to burn off in our hot moments and reveal what's really there. The waste products that we cast off in our own personal refining, refinement, this transformational process I'm talking about, are the feelings of unworthiness, the feelings, the false feelings, the false beliefs of lack and limitation and uselessness and littleness and inability to handle life. All of that stuff gets burned off in that fire, doesn't it? When we allow ourselves, when we surrender to those moments, and we come out purer, better, bigger, stronger, with a clear reflection. I love that. I just love that analogy. You know, that clear reflection, seeing ourselves as we truly are which, are, which are beings of spirit, beings of spirit. And spirit is forever calling us to be transformed, isn't it? Spirit is forever calling us, tapping us on the shoulder so, so gently. And then if we don't pay attention, and it's like a baseball bat, you know, or a two-by-four. Spirit is forever calling us to transform. But spirit cannot make us transform. Spirit cannot force itself on us and make us transform. And, you know, it's really interesting because you would think, bigger, better life. You know, drop the fears. Be this incredible spiritual being on earth. Wow. Where's the downside? There is no downside. So why do we hesitate? Why do we draw back? Why do we go, ooh, you know? Sometimes I think we hesitate because there is a part of us that's afraid. I know who I am now. Who will I be if I transform? How will I recognize myself? How will others recognize me? Will I be rejected? How do I do life as this transformed version of myself? Yep. And here's what I want to say. We have to remember, transforming doesn't make us into someone or something else. It makes us authentically who we have come here to be. Transformation is a letting go process. It's letting go of everything we are not so that we can become fully who we are and who we are meant to be. And that's work. You knew that was going to come, right? <laughs> that's work. 
well, it was work for me. Let me just speak for myself. I mean, it was work for me. God love you. You know, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you are transformed and you are this transparent emissary of spirit, God bless you. If you can just get out of your bed and walk on water through flaming oil, I would just absolutely applaud you for that, and I would love it. But for me, it has been a small, slow, steady process. It has been little teeny tiny penguin steps. Ernest Holmes said, little, little drops of clear water in the muddy beaker. Right? Little by little, little by little, over time, slowly, step by step, <laughs> letting go of a false belief, and then having it pop up someplace else, right? And then go, I thought I dealt with you already. No, here it is again, right? It's about letting go of those false beliefs, and then they pop up again, and then you deal with them again, but at a higher level. Think of it as a spiral, right? It's not a linear life, it's a spiral life. Ah, and we do these things, and we refine ourselves through these, through these, through these examinations, the self-examinations. And so for me, it is a practice. For me, it's a practice every single day. Meditation, affirmation, visioning, visualization, gratitude, thanksgiving, <clears throat> appreciation, compassion, service, all of the above, right? Questioning my thoughts, always. Questioning my thoughts, questioning my beliefs, questioning the statements that come out of my mouth. Do I really believe that? Or is that just human race consciousness speaking through me? Right? Is that just the stream of human race consciousness and there it came out my mouth, you know? Is it truth I'm speaking or is it just the, like, the current fact of the day? Am I speaking truth or am I speaking fear? We always have to question ourselves, you know? And, and one of the ways, I mean, meditation is a great way, a great way to get clear, a great way to sit in the stillness, sit as that big empty vessel that we are and allow that still small voice to come through and speak to you. You know, if you're not meditating, you cannot possibly recognize the still small voice when it does speak to you. How do you know what it is or, or how it sounds if you're not meditating? Meditate. Give yourself that time. Sit on the cushion. What is it? Um, you're sitting around waiting for nothing to happen? That's what meditation is. We're just sitting there waiting for nothing to happen. And we hear that still small voice, and then we can recognize it. If we have a solid practice, then we can recognize it when we hear it. If you're not meditating, how do you know? How do you know when you're speaking from first cause in your, in your affirmative prayer? If you're not meditating, because you know the first two steps of, meditation, of, of affirmative prayer, those first two steps, they are a meditation. That's what Ernest Holmes said. Recognition and unification, they are meditative steps. So if you're not meditating, how can you even do affirmative prayer? Because the first two steps are meditation. Meditation reveals a big part of ourselves to ourselves. If we are intending this world that's going to work for everyone, we have to begin on the inside. It begins with us all the time. We want to start out there. Isn't that way more attractive to start out there? I'm going to march. I'm going to make signs. I'm going to scream and yell at somebody until I'm hoarse. It's just so much more attractive. It looks like we're doing stuff. You know, when we're out there running and marching and banging the drum and all that jazz. But the real fundamental work, the real foundational work begins within us. Begins within us. If we're intending a world that works for everyone, the change has to come first within, and then it demonstrates out. The last link of the chain, right, is, is, is the manifestation. We transform the world. We create a world that works for everyone 
because it begins with us. Once we become clear, then we transform our own lives, it ripples out. We transform the lives of those people around us. We transform our little corner of the world, and then it goes out from there, and it ripples out from there. We, we sing this truth, don't we? Let there be peace on earth, and let it begin with me. That's where we have to go. That's where we have to go first. Let it begin with me. So transform lives. That's what we do. Thank you.